0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Episode 165 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you talking Knicks, talking NBA offseason You thought last week's episode was jam-packed. Let me tell you something. We have got a lot to discuss. A boatload of NBA news. A ton of Knicks speculation surrounding Donovan Mitchell. Two weeks ago, two weeks ago, a lot of people around here were not happy with the amount of news or really lack thereof boy have we made it up for you last week and especially this week we're not going to waste any more time I'm doing okay I hope you're doing okay let's shake hands and let's jump into this we start with the Knicks a lot to discuss here surrounding Donovan Mitchell wow I, I I was looking through a lot of this stuff last night. Again, it's been a busy week and a half for me as well, just with work, with family, with friends, and things of that nature. But every once in a while, I've had an opportunity to just take a quick gander at the old cell phone to sound like I'm 50. And I'm sorry, I'm just excited. This is this is a really interesting episode this week, and just taking looks at updates constantly. And, or at least when I've gotten the opportunity. And every time I've looked down, it's been something really interesting that has popped up. So we'll get to the, the, the latest with Kevin Durant. We'll get to the Patrick Beverly trade to the Lakers. We will touch on the latest with Chet Holmgren and the big blow that is for OKC and their development over the next year plus. But with Donovan Mitchell, things have gotten very interesting. I don't know if you're a Knicks fan, as we all are. I don't know if the last week and a half has been a positive based on the reports, but I'll get to why this in some ways actually helps the Knicks get closer to getting Donovan Mitchell. Let's start with the fact that Tony Jones of The Athletic reported earlier this week that Donovan Mitchell has not asked for a trade from the team. However, if he were to get traded, he has three preferred destinations. None of them are a shock. The Knicks are on the list. The Nets are on the list. And the Miami Heat are on the list. The Nets are the, th- the, Nets are the team out of those three that we have not discussed a lot. And one of the reasons we haven't is because Kevin Durant, and we'll get to him later, is still on the team. And if Kevin Durant is still on the team, it's very difficult to see the Nets being able to acquire Donovan Mitchell. That's really what that comes down to. And on top of that, on top of that, Kyrie Irving is still a member right now of the Brooklyn Nets as well. One of them likely would have to go. If, especially considering the other moves that the Nets have made this offseason, Katie or Kyrie would have to go if the Nets were to be legitimately in the discussion. I believe last week we had touched upon a team like Charlotte being in the mix as well, but not really being able to provide what Utah wants, really, in a potential trade. And and listen, I, I think Donovan Mitchell... Uh, is going to look good thinking, you know, listen, I don't want to leave. I love this city. I love these fans. Like that's what he's insinuating by this report, basically, that I, I want to stay with the team that drafted me. I want to do it here. And even without Rudy Gobert, I want to do it here. And the Jazz are basically, and they've been saying this for months, probably since they lost in the playoffs, we're done. We We've seen enough. This team is not good enough to compete for an NBA championship and we're rebuilding. It's harsh, but but that's the business. So the preferred teams thing just kind of reestablishes that the Knicks are very much in this. They're probably the leaders right now. Miami is definitely in the mix and the reason for that is they might not get Kevin Durant and we will get to why a little bit later on. The Nets are in this Uh, but they're really only in it if they don't keep Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. That's really what it comes down to. Then they might think, all right, based on what we got back, now let's see if we can get Donovan Mitchell. So the Nets are are kind of the wild card there. There's a, a lot that has to happen for Brooklyn to get Donovan Mitchell to, well, first of all, to want Donovan Mitchell, and then to get Donovan Mitchell to get there. But those are Donovan Mitchell's three preferred destinations right so that's the first little piece of news around donovan mitchell the next part of this is that the jazz have received multiple offers for donovan mitchell at the moment and right now the knicks are not close to making the deal happen with donovan mitchell now this one is a little interesting And again, this is also from Tony Jones of The Athletic. This one is interesting because, as we have talked about multiple times on this podcast, of the teams in the running, reportedly, for Donovan Mitchell, nobody can top what the Knicks have. That's it. Period. Next sentence. One team that can is not in the sweepstakes, and that's OKC. And now they're dealing with a a big injury. And we'll get to the Chet Holmgren stuff in the second half of the show. Brian Windhorst, ESPN reporter, was on the Dan Patrick show earlier this week. And I'm a big fan of Windy and what he does as a reporter and his, his hits on these different radio shows I really think he is one of the guys that is going to tell you like it is if he knows what's going on. He's not going to sugarcoat anything. He's not going to, you know, give you a half-truth. If Brian Windhorst knows, he's going to share the full story, even if it's not, you know, this Woj Bomb situation. And based on what he has found out, at the moment, and this was earlier this week, the Knicks are the favorites, and the Jazz know that the Knicks can give them the best, So right now, the Knicks are in a position where they know we're the favorites. We're not going to bet against ourselves. We're not going to drive up the price against ourselves and then have to give up more of our assets for Donovan Mitchell. And Brian Windhorst brings up a point that we haven't discussed on the show that I think is really interesting. He said to Dan Patrick on his show that one of the wild card parts of this one of the factors that hasn't been discussed as much is the utah jazz are planning by all intents and purposes on on tanking next season the utah jazz are going to tank the 2022-23 season do they want to not get a deal done for Donovan Mitchell during the off season and have to wait till the trade deadline to get one done and have a team that has Mike Connolly, Donovan Mitchell and, and other good players on it still in a year where they're trying to get a high draft pick because listen, it's not going to be a team that's maybe competing for the playoffs, but Brian Windhorse kind of alluded like they're not going to go two and 14 either. That's a team that's going to win some basketball games, even without Rudy Gobert. And this speculation from Winhorse, horse, I think really slams it home. Why wouldn't Donovan Mitchell think like, Hey, I didn't ask for a trade. I'm going to go for the MVP. I'm just going to go off. Just have a huge first half until the trade deadline. And then see what happens being the MVP conversation. So, that is one of the things where you go, mm, does Utah think, hey, at some point right down the road, oh, we got to get rid of them now because if we don't, we're going to win games that are going to hurt our chances of getting into the lottery or getting you know, into the top three for the lottery. That matters. As we've seen in other sports, most notably with the NFL, sometimes one game, I get it's, I get it's less games, right? But... These are games early in the season. If you want to tank that really matter, that really matter to your positioning in the draft. And if the, if the jazz start out eight and six, even six and eight, or even let's go a little bit further down the road, more towards the trade deadline. If the jazz are 500 at the trade deadline, there's a world where because of the play in, they're in the mix, and I, that is not what Utah wants. They want to be out of it. They want to be looking towards the draft lottery. Would that push Utah a little bit further down the road to think, oh, boy, you know what? The Knicks aren't giving us a lot here. We got to do this. We got to do this. And to me, based on what Brian Windhorst said on that radio show with Dan Patrick, the Knicks are still in very good shape here. There are reports, again, that teams are interested. No doy. It's Donovan Mitchell. He's a very good player. He's arguably a top 15 player in the league. He's that good. And at his position, he's easily top 10. So Donovan Mitchell is a tremendous player. So other teams are going to say, well, what can we do here? They're going to ask. And the, these reports are being put out primarily, I think, from a Utah perspective to try to get the Knicks to be like, well, uh, should we just go like there's other teams that are they're trying to get trying to get the Knicks to have a sense of urgency and be like, all right, we'll throw in three more picks. Take it. The Knicks are not going to do that. It seems like the Knicks have learned some lessons here. And Leon Rose and company are saying, no, no, no. As I, and we talked about this last week. No, no, no. We know we have the best. We know, because again, this, this would be the second time that Utah's gone back around and shopped this trade, right? The Knicks probably are very, very well aware that they have the most to offer. There is not a team that's interested that can give Utah more of what they want. So the situation then becomes, what is it going to take? Can they come to a consensus here? It'll be interesting because clearly there's still some room here that these two teams have to make up. They have to come to a consensus. The interesting part, as far as I'm concerned here, when it comes to this uh, potentially working out for the Knicks, really stems from not necessarily the picks, although those do matter. Who are the other players that are going to be involved? We've mentioned some of them. There's actually been some reports that now the Knicks wouldn't be against trading RJ Barrett to Utah, which again, as I've talked about in the past, I would be against. I am not a fan of that. I think you hold on to RJ Barrett. I think that's a step too far in my opinion. So, that, that part is where we're going to have to wait and see what the Knicks front office wants to do here. And, and to be honest with you, I love this situation for the Knicks. I really do. There's not been many situations in the past where you can look at and say, well, the Knicks are actually in pretty good shape here, legitimately in pretty good shape. This is one of those situations. The Knicks don't have to rush here. They really don't. They're in the penthouse right now. They're just waiting for Utah to give them something where they can say, you know what? We'll give you that. Let's get this done. So that's going to be really interesting. Really interesting to see how it plays out. I'm very fascinated by it because I really, I really think the Knicks front office is handling this very well, better than I thought they would, frankly, because we remember what happened with Melo, Again, slightly different front office, obviously it's, you know, over a decade ago. Let's make that very clear. But the Knicks organization under James Dolan tends to pull the trigger too early on situations like this. They might not have to do that here. And they know it. They know they don't have to throw the kitchen sink at the Utah Jazz. They just have to let Utah get to a point where they go, oh boy, we really got to do this deal. We got to do it. And they're going to look back at the Knicks and they're going to probably think, and this is the best case scenario, obviously, but I think the way it's looking right now, they could easily look back at the Knicks and be like, you know what? They've got the best offer. We got to do it with them. We got to do it. We've got to do it. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with that situation. As always at stj seven on Twitter, posting and com comment section. Let me know what you think about the latest reports around a potential move for Donovan Mitchell. Before we end the first half of the show, and we got a boatload of stuff to talk about in half number two, there was some reports surrounding Julius Randle this week because the Lakers have been wheeling and dealing a little bit. Of course, Julius Randle is a former Laker there's a report from the athletic basically that the Lakers are not interested in a reunion with Julius Randle If the Knicks were to trade Randall to the Lakers back to where he began his career, uh, he averaged 13 and a half points, nine, just under nine rebounds in four seasons with the Lakers before going to new Orleans, having big years there. And then obviously coming to the Knicks and becoming an all-star. So, that was just a little piece of news that I thought was interesting because again, if the Knicks get Julius Randle, I would. I'm sorry, if the Knicks get Donovan Mitchell, I think there's a world where keeping Julius Randall makes sense. But it'll be interesting. It'll be very interesting to see what happens there. And the one positive from dealing Randall would obviously to be to uh, open up some more financial options moving forward and again if the Knicks were to get Donovan Mitchell then you'd go who could be that replacement for Julius Randle who's that third guy that could come in and really be part of the face of the franchise with this group so it's going to be interesting it's going to be very fascinating to see how the Knicks handle this moving forward I can't be shocked that the Lakers are not interested in Julius it's not really uh, a good fit right now I would say I don't really see it making a ton of sense, but we'll have to wait and see. I mean, that, that really is what it comes down to, but, uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by the latest. I really am. What's going on around the Knicks, around the NBA in general, and the Knicks are in very good shape. They're in very good shape. Would I like them to keep Julius Randle if they get Donovan Mitchell It's hard hard to answer because if the Knicks get Donovan Mitchell along with Jalen Brunson who's obviously already secured that opens up the door for the Knicks to get a big piece a big free agent in the coming years could look around and say wow actually look at what the Knicks have put together and Julius Randle, beg your pardon is a guy that's gonna eat up a lot of money right now if you could get rid of him and most importantly get rid of his contract that's really what matters here that opens the door for a third star to come in a big star so that's the pro the con to getting rid of him is julius randall could fit in pretty nicely with donovan mitchell and jalen brunson in the backcourt and you look at maybe Randall and Robinson in the front court. That's pretty darn good. Is it good enough to win a title? I, I, it's hard to say. I, I probably would say right now, no, not good enough. So that, that would be the the risk by keeping him. Would the Knicks be contenders? Absolutely. I, I think that if they wouldn't be, it'd be a disaster. It'd be a big failure because this team would be good enough with with Donovan Mitchell, I think. To be a playoff contender in the East. However, if you could upgrade that and get us a, a bona fide superstar to join Mitchell and Brunson, then you could be talking about competing for an NBA title. That's the decision the Knicks front office is going to have to make. So, we'll see. A lot of, a lot of things to talk about here based on what the Knicks could do over the next couple of months. That, that really is the most fascinating part of this conversation as far as I'm concerned. And again, let me know what you think. Comments on postingandtoasting.com at sha7 on Twitter. Let's take the break here. When we come back, is Kevin Durant going to stay in Brooklyn? Is Kyrie going to stay in Brooklyn? We'll touch on that. We'll touch on the borderline disastrous injury for Chet Holmgren and OKC as well, and Patrick Beverly teammates with Russell Westbrook. Yeah, we'll talk about all of that next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting podcast network. Second half of the show, my word, do we have a lot to get to here. We start in Tinseltown with the Lakers. A lot to touch upon with the Los Angeles Lakers. We begin with a very interesting trade that basically has reunited in a very odd way. Patrick Beverly with Russell Westbrook. The trade... Sends Patrick Beverly from the Utah Jazz to the LA Lakers. The Lakers send back Talen Horton Tucker and Stanley Johnson in the trade. And it's a very, very interesting move. This one is. This one is just riddled with. Interesting things to talk about here. Number one, right off the bat, Russell Westbrook teaming up with Patrick Beverly with the history those guys have? It's very interesting. I When I first read this, my initial thought was, who signed off on this? Who thought this was a good idea? Those two guys hate each other. Can't stand each other. Very, very odd, right? Right off the bat. And Woj confirmed. It was Pat Beverly to the Lakers. THT, as he's called. Talon Horton Tucker and Stanley Johnson to Utah. This one is weird because... Does this mean that Russell Westbrook has to team up with Pat Beverly? Does this mean that the Lakers are more likely to trade Russell Westbrook? And, and I was listening to uh, the Dan Lebitard show before I came on to do this. And Amin El-Hassan, former NBA front office exec, was talking about this deal. And he said, there's only one of two things that will happen here. Either the Lakers will be forced to get rid of one of them. Or they're going to be best friends. They're going to put their, their troubles aside. They're going to find common ground, and they're going to make it work. And I found that fascinating. My other thought was, does this get the Lakers any closer to winning anything? Like, I, I legitimately don't know why they did this move from a basketball standpoint. I don't think Patrick Beverly gets the Lakers anywhere closer to competing for a Western Conference title. I really don't. And with the way the West is right now, I mean, the Lakers are going to be fighting for their playoff lives again if they can't stay healthy. And to think they're just going to figure out a way to stay healthy, I mean, do I have to remind you how old LeBron James is? Do I have to remind you the injury history of Anthony Davis? It's just not going to happen. So... Basketball-wise, very odd. Relationship-wise amongst the group, borderline insane because the whole beef between Westbrook and Beverly is that Beverly injured Westbrook when Russ was playing for OKC at the time. And Russell Westbrook's injury, since he got hurt, it was dribbling towards the sideline to call a timeout. Pat Beverly didn't hear the whistle. He played through it hit Russell Westbrook and kind of tried to steal the ball from him, injured him, and Westbrook has been dealing with that injury for some time since. So there's a lot of beef there. There's a lot of beef between Pat Beverly and Russell Westbrook. The other part is that Patrick Beverly's a wild card. You don't know when he's – like we saw during the postseason last year there's times where Patrick Beverly is key to hyping up a crowd, giving your team energy, things like that, He's also just as likely to get ejected and hurt your team. So that's the, that's the risk that the Lakers are taking on here. And it's still probably not good enough to even give them secure playoff hopes for next season. Very odd. It, it's a deal that begs the question, is that it? Is that all the Lakers are going to do? It's very odd because, again, there's no movement on the Kyrie side of this, which is why we were talking earlier about is Kyrie going to stay in Brooklyn because the only potential move that had been constantly reported was Kyrie for Russ. Kyrie for Russ. Kyrie for Russ. The Lakers would pitch in here and trade for Kyrie Irving because Bron Bron said so, and they'd get rid of Russ, and the Nets would be rid of Kyrie Irving but that's looking less and less likely by the day. And I really don't know who else would be in on this for Kyrie. I'm not sure there are many teams where you'd go, man, they're a a point guard away and would think that Kyrie is the option or that they can, like, can they even get Kyrie? Do they have enough money available to get Kyrie? And and that's one of the things that's been talked about the last few weeks as well is there's going to be a lot more cap space available next season during the offseason than this season so is it going to be one of those things where the nets are gonna to have to bite the bullet and keep Kyrie and maybe try to trade him at the trade deadline or be forced to watch him walk in free agency so the nets are a little up against it on the Kyrie Irving side of things so it's really interesting how one kind of flows into the other here because I think for like four weeks, we were talking about Kyrie to the Lakers. And in the end, now you look and you wonder, oh boy, what are the Nets? Are the Nets going to be stuck here? Are the Nets going to be stuck with Kyrie? And then now what do you do, right? What do you do then? It's going to be really interesting to to see how all of that plays out. It really will be. So that's, that's the Kyrie part of it that connects from the trade with Pap Beverly going from the Jazz to the Lakers. Now the KD part of the puzzle, which is even more fascinating. Last time we talked about it, they were at a standstill. KD had given one of the weirdest ultimatums you'll ever see. Trade me or fire everybody and then maybe I'll stay. Now it looks like KD might stay. It's very, it's very odd. Very, very odd. The latest is that KD and the Nets released a joint statement, um, which by itself is wild to me. Um, I'm pulling it up because there's one little, uh, there's one little nugget here that is worth mentioning about the joint statement. Um, is it on Katie's? Well, Katie's got a lot of, uh, responses to, um, people that don't like him on Twitter. Maybe the Nets have it. The biggest issue I, th- or the biggest odd thing about the joint statement is that KD's boardroom logo is on the joint statement. That was kind of the, the part for me where I just shook my head and was confused. Like, I, I don't know why Kevin Durant has to have a, you know, has to have his boardroom. Lo- like Like this is a you know, two conglomerates agreeing on a deal. Here's the statement. It, was, it took me a while to find it. From two days ago on the Brooklyn Nets Twitter account, with Brooklyn and the boardroom on the bottom, following statement has been released by general manager Sean Marks. Quote, Steve Nash and I, together with Joe Tsai and Clara Wu Tsai, met with Kevin Durant and Rich Kleiman in Los Angeles yesterday. We have agreed to move forward in our, with our partnership. We are focusing on basketball with one collective goal in mind, build a lasting franchise to bring a championship to Brooklyn. Couple of things. Number one, I go back to Brian Windhorst's interview with Dan Patrick. On that interview, Brian Windhorst was asked about this, ESPN Insider. His response was one of confusion, as if to as if to say, "I I don't know why they did this." As far as like, let me rephrase. From what I gathered, Wendy and I'm again I'm paraphrasing here. Wendy's response was basically, "This doesn't mean it's over. Like, there's still a world where the Nets trade Kevin Durant." this offseason does this close any doors not necessarily not necessarily and I found that fascinating like there is still a world where Kevin Durant gets traded this offseason or at the trade deadline to to just say that yeah we met with him and it's all patched up is far from the truth that's that's the statement but that's not necessarily how it's playing out behind the scenes and I find it fascinating because this is a situation where the whole offseason it's been in doubt. It led to the ultimatum after the trade request. And listen, this there is a world and 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 Windhorst likened it to Kobe uh, was it oh seven or oh eight, you know, having an off season where it looked like he was gonna be moved on and then he stayed. That's still possible, right? Because there could be a situation where the Nets just can't find a trade partner And Kevin Durant has four years left on his contract. But there's still a situation where the Nets could trade him. This could be just to kind of, you know, quiet everything down. Like, hey, we're doing all right. Like, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. But then there's also still a likelihood that the Nets could find a trade partner tomorrow. And then they go, actually, never mind. Get out of here. It's really interesting. It's a fascinating situation. And I don't know what's more likely. I really don't. Th- this one's all over the place when it comes to Brooklyn. I don't know what's more likely, Kevin Durant staying or, go- or going. Because again, you, you look at a teams like Miami and you think, well, they'll, they'll be interested. They're going to still want a shot at this. Because they still feel they're a spot. I remember the Celtics at one point were linked to Kevin Durant. They were willing to give up Jalen Brown to do it. So there will be teams, I beg your pardon, that are going to be licking their lips. So again, I, I don't know if one meeting in LA is enough for Kevin Durant to be at ease here. But to be fair, the other side of the coin is it it's looking more and more likely. Or at least it's, it's more possible than it was a month ago that Kyrie and KD could be sticking around at least for the first half of next season, or at least I should say till the trade deadline, it's very odd what's going on with the Nets. It, it the, the, the last word I could think of to describe, like, They couldn't be more out of control here, Brooklyn, this offseason. Can't be more out of control than they are at the moment. It's unbelievable how much they have lost the grasp of this situation. They have no idea what's going on. It seems very clear that they are really dropping the ball here. And I don't know how they're going to figure this out. I don't know if they know how they're going to figure it out. It really is the epitome of a tumultuous offseason for the Brooklyn Nets. And all you're seeing on Brooklyn Nets Twitter, and this is how it goes with professional teams, all we're we're seeing is just Ben Simmons jump hooks in the lane. We're just seeing photos of Ben Simmons taking jump hooks and Joe Harris putting up shots. It's it's just so funny. Yeah, Yeah, we're going to work. Are you? Maybe maybe in the in the in the gym, but dare I say in the boardroom? What the hell's going on? What's your plan? And publicly, I guess it's it's to keep them, but should they? And that's the other thing. Should the Nets bother? Should they just get rid of them? And that's a discussion we've had multiple times on this podcast. Uh, just a just a bunch of wild, wild stuff going on with that situation. And frankly, much like the situation with Donovan Mitchell, not sure what, when the end's going to be in sight. That That's really what it comes down to. Not sure when this is going to get resolved. It's very interesting. One more topic to go. And this show, it's felt like it's flown by. There's been so many things to discuss. Um tough news out of OKC Chet Holmgren number two pick in the draft has sustained has sustained a season ending injury and he will not play in the 2022 2023 season he sustained a foot injury and he's out done for the year and the team announced that earlier today uh, of the day of recording the podcast on Thursday so Uh, Sam Presti came out and just expressed how disappointed he was for Chet um, and knows he's going to have a long career with OKC as many of us believe he can stay healthy of course but really tough early setback for one of the top prospects in the draft. So uh, it happened in a pro-am game that he was playing uh, in Seattle on Saturday and he was actually guarding LeBron James in the uh, in tra- I think it was in transition if I remember correctly LeBron was going up for a layup Chet Holmgren was defending him and he just came down awkwardly you could kind of see he was slow to continue and it's a Liz Frank injury in his right foot that's it and uh, he's done for the season I'm actually watching the clip now LeBron's in transition puts up a wild shot the rebound is tucked in Um, and Holmgren immediately feels it, has a tough time getting back up the court, and uh, that was it. So, actually, did LeBron put it back in? Take a closer look at that. He did not. It was his teammate on the rebound. Not the point, obviously, but the point is that I just wanted to describe it for you in case you didn't get a chance to see it. But uh, Chet Holmgren, one of the top prospects, done for the year. Didn't even get a chance to see him play in a competitive game. Uh, and it's such a shame because, for those that didn't get a chance to watch Chet Holmgren at Gonzaga, he's a tremendous talent, a guy that can do a lot of really impressive things on a basketball court. And, and you've heard multiple people say it. You know, at some point, and it, it was the same issue with Chris Taps Porzingis, you got to put some, you know, muscle on and be a little beefier so you don't get. Injured as easily, um, and Chet Holmgren obviously when he's recovered from his injury, or maybe before that, just a foot injury. So there are things he can do to improve other parts of his body, but that's gonna be that's gonna be something that's gonna stick with him for some time. That injury prone uh, side of things until he proves he can play a few seasons without getting hurt. So. It's interesting. It really it, it really is. The, it reminds you of the saying, right? The greatest ability is availability. And Chad Holmgren, so tough on him, hasn't even gotten a chance to play in an NBA game, and he's out for the season. So we wish him all the best. And uh, tough blow for OKC right at the start of the season, and they'll obviously have to do what they can to recover moving forward. So... Very tough. Um, it, it, didn't Zion also get hurt in his rookie season? Missed the whole year. I forget. There, there, there is a precedence for this. There's been players in the past that have been picked high in the draft that have missed their rookie season. So, I, was it Ben Simmons? Maybe I forget. There's a couple of guys in recent, not too far recent past where uh, they got hurt and didn't play a lot, if at all, in their rookie campaign. So. Not the first, won't be the last, but a very tough blow for Chet Holmgren and for OKC. And we'll see how the Thunder deal with it moving forward. Obviously, this is not a season where they're expected to do much, but Chet Holmgren is one for the future, and we won't get a chance to see him until 2023-2024. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast. Thank you all so much, as always, for listening. Again, at shj 7 on Twitter. Let me know your thoughts on everything going on with the Knicks and the NBA offseason that is reheated up once again. Also, postingandtoasting.com, Shock Shock Knicks podcast logo. Hit me up in the comments there. Let me know your thoughts on everything going on during the NBA offseason. Until then, have a great week, and I will see you all next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.